You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, this entire rut, I wore the Atlas boot new from their Navigator series. So what they've done is they've taken their traditional rubber boot and a traditional hiking boot, and they kind of mashed them together to come up with this new Navigator series. They have the Windrose for men and women, and they also have the Atlas for men. Uh, Check them out. Really cool boot. Really comfortable. Uh, keep kept my feet dry as I was uh, walking to and from the stand, even in the snow, and uh, something that I think you guys would like. So head on over to lacrossefootwear.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. My name is Dan Johnson. I'm your host. And today we're going to be talking with fellow Iowan DJ Norby about his successful rut. And his successful rut was on a 32-acre farm. Now, I know uh, everybody out there is going to say, well, it's Iowa, but it's 32 acres, right? This is uh, what he has access to. So this is what he hunts. And uh, from the sounds of it, he hunts it very smart. And uh, it paid off in the long run. And he harvested a booner out of this 32 acres. Um, So I Listen to this story. It's a really cool one. But before we get into this episode, I got to say something quick about Prime. Um, uh, I love their bows. And I tell you what, they just came out with their new Black Series. And uh, I cannot wait to get my hands on this new bow that has come out. Uh, So if you want to go shoot it, go find a Prime dealer. uh, And I recommend if there's not one in your area, it's worth driving for. So uh, find a Prime dealer. Go shoot their bow. And then send me a DM or a message. Let me know what you think about their new lineup. And uh, I'm excited to get my hands on them as well and start shooting the the new series. But uh, if you get an opportunity, go do it. Awesome company that is bow hunter focused. And uh, they make an outstanding product. So I strongly suggest you go and at least uh, shoot them before you buy your next bow. So that's Prime. You can find out more about Prime at primearchery.com. Short podcast today. Let's just get into it with, uh, I guess this is a success story with fellow Iowan, DJ Norby. All right. I'm on the phone with fellow Iowan, DJ Norby. What's up, man? Not a whole lot. Well, you should have a smile on your face at least because (laughs) you, you, uh, you shot a hammer, dude. Um happy beyond belief that's for sure right right and that's what we're going to talk about today is your uh your archery season here uh in eastern iowa and uh 
talk about uh, the strategy that you used, where this buck was living, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I just want to ask you, like, first, how many years have you been uh, a quote-unquote bow hunter? Um, I think bow hunting probably around, like, 06 is when I actually started. Gotcha. Um, a few years before that is when I actually started, you know, shotgun. Yep. How old are you? I'm 45. 45. Okay. So you, I started it, uh, in 2006 as well. It was my first, well, I, I take that back. Uh, I was 26 in 2006 and I, I want to say that's when I started bow hunting. But what I mean by that is that's when I really started bow hunting. Um, I was bow hunting when I was like 14 years old, but you know, off and on a little bit. And then, uh, and then somewhere around 2006, actually it was 2006 is when I started taking everything really serious. And, uh, and that's when I really fell in love with bow hunting. Uh, so on that first, you know, 2006, when you started bow hunting, uh, is it something that you fell in love with instantly or did it take some time to like, appreciate it and, and get that passion? I mean, definitely once I first started, that's like, that's the type of hunting I wanted to do, you know, using a bow was, I don't know, just a lot more meaningful. Yeah. Do you remember that first season at all? Uh, I do. I remember a little bit about it. Um, didn't really know what I was doing. I just, I had a friend that set me up on a property with a couple stands and just kind of went in there, not not knowing a whole lot, didn't really pay any attention to wind direction, just kind of went and sat in a tree and hope I saw something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how most people start out. It's, you know, you have this, uh, Oh, I'm I'm a gun hunter first. And, uh, basically either, uh, you, you were part of, you you know, in Iowa, you can do deer drives. So you were either doing that or you were just kind of sitting, wherever there was a field edge i mean that's this that's like the stereotypical iowa gun hunter but uh, does that kind of fit what you were doing or were you doing something different i would say that's that's pretty spot on i mean i did a few you know just sit hunts and then you know got with a group that did some drives and kind of went from there yeah so since 2006, now we're talking about what's well, 2019 now, so we're talking about 13 years uh, since then, uh, 13 years of bow hunter. What what has changed? Have you found success? Um, what's bow hunting like now compared to what it was like, uh, you know, 2006, 7, 8? I would say it's a little more stressful now, you know. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> it's supposed to be fun. Uh, exactly. It, it is fun once you get out there, but, you know, paying attention to wind direction and, you know, temperatures and, and whatnot, it's, I don't know, you try and take it a little more serious now and before you just kind of, for Shot. lack of better terms, went out and winged it, you know? Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. So this year you harvested a giant. Um, was this the biggest buck you've ever shot with a bow? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. So let's get into the story once. Um, is this a is this a buck that you had any history with? No. This this buck, uh, I would say this is the first year I've ever caught him on camera. Did you did you think he existed or did you see him from a stand previously, or are you just new to running trail cameras? 
Um, I've been running trail cameras out there before, um, maybe not in the right spots, I guess. And, you know, I started putting them over scrapes and stuff like that last couple seasons and getting a lot better pictures. Yeah. Like I said, this is the first year I've ever caught him on camera. Gotcha. So as far as you know, this is the first time this buck was on this, the property that you were hunting. Yes. Okay. All right. So no real uh, history with him. Why don't you go ahead then at this point and explain the terrain, lay this farm out for us, what the terrain's like, how it lays, how many acres, ag, timber split, whatever. Okay. It's uh total acres of the property is like 32 acres. Um, there's a house on the property. Um, it's fairly flat, a lot of very small trees. So it's kind of hard to find something that'll hold a stand well and, you know, help with your concealment. Um, there are a few deep ravines in the property, which I don't really go near. I just kind of stay away from those. Um, there is a creek that runs along the bottom side, but it's, it's surrounded by other timber, some CRP. Um, there is some ag within the area. Gotcha. How, so does this, is this kind of an acreage out in the country or is this like, uh, right against a, a city or is it a farm or how's this lay? I would say, yeah, it's an acreage out in the country. Gotcha. Okay. Surrounded by ag. Yes. Okay. So this, you know, you, you mentioned shorter trees and when I hear shorter trees, I hear thicker veg, I, I think thicker vegetation, um, is this a property that you would consider thick that holds good deer bedding, something like that? Um, I think kind of in the neighboring properties, I would say this is more of like a uh, travel route. Okay. So, so I have had deer. You would Sorry. say it's a travel route in between. Is there uh, bigger chunks of timber on either side of it or a terrain yes. feature that, like, that just keeps the deer moving through? Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot bigger timber on both sides of it. Gotcha. Um, a lot of cover. Gotcha. Okay. Does it have like a, a resident doe group that hangs out on this 32 acres? You know, yeah, I, I seem to see the same group of deer, gotcha. uh, whether they're just on the neighbor's property or within the property, but you know, on certain stand locations, you'll see the same group come out on a regular basis. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, how many years have you been hunting this farm? Oh, goodness. Probably since 2008, 2009, okay. I'm guessing. So, so uh, uh, 10 years, roughly, right? I mean, yes. so you yep. have a good idea of what's going on on that farm. Why don't you kind of walk us through how the deer use that 32 acres? Um, it seems like, you know, in the morning you'll catch them coming in from, I'd say the Northwest. And I'm assuming they're heading back to bed. Um, it, it does border up against like a state park. So Ooh. at certain times of the year, the deer move in 
every direction. So trying to get an exact, you know, travel route or, you know, where they're going, where they're coming, it's, it's kind of tough. They, they come at you from all angles sometimes. Gotcha. So not only do we have a big chunk of timber on one side, but we got, uh, uh, a park on the other side, which is money. Can, do they allow hunting in that park or is it just pedestrians like no hunting? Um, honestly, I've never looked into it. Yeah. Um, they do have some walking trails, running trails. Gotcha. Cause I know there's in a, that park, there's a lot of places in Iowa now that are going to that, uh, um, that hunting inside of these state parks and uh, you got to pass like an accuracy test, but some, some do and some don't, but regardless, that's good for you. Uh, and that 32 right. acres, right? I mean, it's, it's going to keep deer number one. It, I, I'm guessing it would keep them used to some kind of human interaction where I would think so. Yeah. Not necessarily condition them, but you might be able to get away with a couple mistakes yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Okay. So um, they kind of move in all directions. There is there a uh, is there a main food source on on this property, or do they always head out of the property to go to the ag fields? Um, there is a alfalfa field, which it's been in beans before. Uh, they seem to hit that pretty hard at night. On the property or on the uh, on the, the neighboring on the property, yeah. Oh, okay. So you have some sort of a food source too. Correct. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I uh, um, I got this on the way out of my farm, about a couple miles down the gravel road. There's an alfalfa field that lays right up against the road, and every single night that I come back off my property to head back to camp, there are deer in it. And I didn't like deer love alfalfa, not necessarily clover, but alfalfa. And they're multiple deer every single year. Is this a, is this a food source that they, they pile onto every night that you're hunting? It seems to be, I've got a stand at the top of this field and you know, the deer will fill in at night and it seems like they never work close enough to you until shooting hours are over but they're in that field for you know however long and you know it's kind of hard to get in and out of there right without busting right okay so on this 32 acres how many tree stands do you have i have three three and is that for a variety of winds or is it for just certain winds are there or are there any winds that are no-goes on that farm um, two of the stands I have set up for different winds. They are in that alfalfa. Um, the other stand I have way back in the timber that I like to save until the November time frame. Right. Right. So when it comes to pressure uh, on this particular farm, what, what time do you start to hunt this farm? Um, I would say like the first week week or two in October, okay. I don't get out there until about then. And I don't go in the timber, like I said, until sometime in November. Gotcha. Is there any, and, any contributing factor that helps you make that decision? Um, just, I guess, hunting it over the years, you know, going in there earlier. Yeah. 
it seems like I would see less and less deer. So I just try and stay out of there. Gotcha. So what's the quality of deer like in this area? So I hear big chunk of timber on one side, I hear state park or what, or some kind of park on the, the other side. And then I hear it's almost like this little sanctuary in amongst all that, which is the property that you get to hunt. Um, are you seeing good quality bucks every single year or are you just seeing, I guess, what would be average? I would say just about every year I see a good quality buck, whether I'm close to them or not. Um, seems they work their way through. I'll catch a glimpse of them, never get them in close, but I've had, a, had a couple close encounters out there. Just haven't been able to seal the deal until now. Gotcha. Okay. So have, so you've seen equal to or better quality deer in the past. Just this is the first year you've been able to seal the deal on a, on a stud like this. That is correct. Okay. All right. So you know, they're there and that's what keeps you coming back. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Okay. Now, do you bounce around on any other properties or farms, uh, in the area or do you strictly hunt this 32 acres? I do have another farm that I have access to. Uh, it's quite a ways away from there, but within the same county. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, did, this year, did you bounce in between these at all? Or did you know, like, when did you get trail camera pictures of the buck you ended up shooting? Uh, when I checked my camera, it was like the 15th of October and the 23rd of October when I had pictures of this guy. Okay. And did that fire you up? I mean, did, did that allow I mean, what did that tell you? I should ask. Um, it, it told me he was there like frequently, like he was coming around more than just passing through. Um, not only him, but there was a couple other bucks I caught on camera that were, were potential shooters. Um, going into hunt, I never had, I mean, you always hope that you, you have that encounter, but I never, never expected it, I guess. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, once you got that, uh, that trail camera picture and you knew that this buck was, a uh, was in the area, not necessarily just passing through what was going through your head as far as strategy was concerned. What were, what was your game plan going to be on how you could potentially get an arrow at this buck? Um, the routes that I've seen the bucks travel before I knew I needed a, like a Northwest wind was going to be my best chance. Uh, it's kind of blowing my scent over that Creek that I talked about and, you know, they're coming from the other direction. So hopefully get a chance at him before he was able to pass by. Gotcha. And are the access routes, uh, did you shoot him on the alfalfa field or back in the timber? back in the timber okay so what's the access route like to this stand is it access from the north or access from the south east or west it's at access from the north okay um and there's like a a path that i walk up and then honestly there's a trail that i've mowed off that the deer use it all the time so at some point i'm pretty sure he crossed that same path there's really no good way in there with the ravines and everything. Gotcha. So 
you're not only are the deer having to work through this terrain in this ravine, but you're kind of limited on your access route to that stand location based off the terrain. Yes. Okay. All right. So for me in Iowa this year, I had to fight a lot of standing corn in the area. And I felt like that really limited the movement on the farm, especially in the timber. I felt like all the deer were still spread out uh, over the countryside and didn't really funnel back into the timber just because of all the standing corn. Did you experience anything like that this year? I did, especially at the other farm that I have access to. I, 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 there's a lot of corn in the area and, and that's what it seemed like as well. Yeah. What about sign uh, on that 32 acres? Did you see a lot of sign? Um, there's a couple nice rubs back in there and, uh, you know, on the way back is when I noticed it the most, the, some nice hard scrapes on the route that I take back to that stand. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk about the strategy, right? You get, you kind of talked us, walked us through the access. How are you going to approach shooting this buck, trying to, uh, connect with this buck? Um, because was it him or bust, or was it one of several deer could have walked by and you were going to shoot him? It was pretty much one of several deer. Okay. All right. So walk us through what your strategy was uh, as far as this 32 acres was concerned and what, you're, what you were trying to accomplish to get a crack at one of these deer that were running through the property. Like I said, I've only got the one access route, which that's what I was using. Um, and I was waiting for a Northwest wind, which I had that morning. Um, and to try and help my chances, um, a lot of people believe in it, a lot don't. I use nose jammer on my boots yep. to try and help, you know, cover my, cover my route. And I had my Ozonics in my bag opened up. And I had it running before I even walked in the timber to try and lay down some cover, if you will. Yeah, I do the same thing, dude. I do the exact same thing. And to be honest with you, I, I, I swear, I swear by it. Like, not to turn this into a sales pitch, but man, I've seen this year especially. I was dedicated. I had some uh, to my access routes. I had some pretty aggressive access routes. Um, I had my Ozonics running some of the time. I had nose jammer every morning or afternoon walking into the stand locations, and I had deer cross my entry route and not even blink an eye. I have noticed the same thing as well. Um, and honestly, after I, I shot this deer, uh, I was in the stand for quite a while, just waiting to see, you know, if anything else was walking by or whatever, giving him time. Um, I had a, a small doe, a button buck, and then another doe come in. And I mean, they could tell something wasn't right, but they never spooked. They, they walked off in the same area that he came in from so i'm a believer yeah yeah so how many times did you hunt this property morning or afternoon before he showed up uh i would say four or five times i was out there okay in that same back tree stand or or throughout no 
Okay. This was the first time I sat in this back tree stand. Okay. Um, any sightings of him from any of the other tree stands? No. No. Um, just a group of does is all I've ever seen out there until okay. till that morning. Okay. Um, and then, so the, the group of does comes through, and that was that morning you you hunted the alfalfa field and then went into the timber in the afternoon? No, I was in the timber that morning. Oh, that morning. Okay. All right. So no other real encounters with that particular buck, any other encounters with, uh, any like bucks on that alfalfa field? No, no. Okay. So all of, all of the good encounters have been back in that tree stand. Correct. Okay. I gotcha. All right. So, um, it was a morning hunt. You get up. Why was it that morning? And what, what morning was that? November 4th? November 2nd. More, November 2nd. What was it about November yep. 2nd that made you decide that that was the day to go into that stand? I just, I checked the, checked the weather on my phone looking for the, the right wind direction. And it, it was going to be that morning. Uh, I talked to my wife, said I need a babysitter. I'm going to go hunting in the morning. Uh, she found me a babysitter. And last year when she found me a babysitter, I went to that same stand and killed a buck out of that stand last year as well. Oh, nice. So so I'm thinking the babysitter has a lot to do with it. <laughs> so, um, so November 2nd, you said that today's the day I need a – I got the wind for it. You go in and, um, how, how early do you go into the tree stand? I was set up. I look, and for some reason I looked at my watch and it was six Oh eight. I had everything set up, ready to go. So I, I mean, I try and get there hour, hour and a half before right. shooting, shooting time. Yeah. Gotcha. And, that's something that this year I really tried to focus on getting to the tree stand 45 minutes to an hour. And when I mean set up, I mean set up. So I'm sitting down with time for, I feel like for the disruption to end and the deer to kind of get more, if they are hearing me or seeing me or smelling me, there's more time for them to just settle down before the sun comes up. I mean, I, I feel like I, I really, for me, I really like going in real early, uh, not so much to the point where, um, I mean, I guess there was one morning during this, my rutcation where I woke up at three thirty, and I woke up cause I just woke up. I wasn't tired anymore. So I just woke up 30 minutes before my alarm went off and I was in the stand ready to go an hour and 30 minutes before. And not necessarily, it didn't mean that I saw anything different, but I feel like if you could live in a tree stand during the rut, not have to get down, I think that would be awesome. It just limits the, I don't know. I just feel that they're, the earlier you get in, you can really, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. So I agree exactly yeah. with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So how long until you started seeing movement? Uh, I mean, the sun comes up. Was it instantly? Uh, you know, it, off in the distance, I heard heard some crows going off, even when it was dark out. I thought, okay, this is good. You know, there's something moving, yeah. regardless of what it is. Um, and, you know, I'm sitting there, 
and it was right at sunrise and I hear the crows making some noise. I just had that feeling like I should grab my bow. So I grab my bow down and set it on my lap and I'm just waiting there. And I'm guessing five minutes later, I thought I heard something. I'm like, Oh, something's coming in. So I, I adjusted myself. I didn't stand up. I just kind of shifted. And off to my left, I noticed a deer coming in. I couldn't tell what it was. So I clipped in. And I noticed it was a buck. And as soon as he went behind this brush, I drew back and he stepped out and I thought, okay, he's a shooter. And he was kind of facing me and I going through my mind, it seemed like forever, but I'm like, just be patient, just wait, let him turn. And it's like, he wanted to come straight to me. And then he made that turn. And then that's when I let you know, let the shot go off. And so this was the first deer and only deer that you had seen since you'd been in the stand. Yes. Yeah. Dang, man. That's crazy. First time in best time in first deer that shows up is the buck you end up shooting. Um, so did you realize at that point what you had, that you just shot your biggest buck or was it still kind of, uh, a little, not necessarily dark out, but not as light where you you couldn't really comprehend what you had shot or did you know it was a a big one? I didn't know how big he was. I just knew he was a good one. Um, like you said, it was, it was still just becoming light. So yeah. And honestly, I was more focused on where my pin was on his body. I didn't really take a look at his antlers. So, which is probably a good thing. It, that didn't have time to set in. Right. Right. So you shot him. Did you feel, did you feel like it was a good shot? I felt like it was a good shot. Um, and honestly, at the same time, my buddy was in the tree with me. We've done this before from time to time trying to film each other. Well, we didn't get this on film, but he turned around and caught it as it happened. And right after I shot, you know, we're, getting excited about it. And then we got real quiet. I could hear him crash close by. So I knew it was a good shot. And then that's when a lot more excitement set in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how close was he when he came in? What was How far was the shot? Uh, about 17 yards. Okay. So it was a fairly, fairly, you know, a chip shot basically, uh, a a decent and, so you got excited, but you still didn't realize what you had shot at this point, right? You just kind of knew. Not it was, at all. Not, it was decent. Okay. So you get excited. How long did you wait before you went down and started chasing him? Uh, it was probably over an hour. Oh, over an hour. Okay. What were you yeah. doing in the tree for an hour? You know, were you just chilling or were you like debating on whether you should go look for him, you know, cause sometimes the longer you think about it, the more doubt creeps in. <laughs> yeah. I was doing a little bit of both and I started to doubt, you know, whether it was a good shot or not, even though I heard him crash. Um, I also had a doe tag in my pocket. So if, if something nice walked in, I, that's what I was waiting for, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So, hour goes by you decide to get down um was there good blood right away there was um found the arrow 
and I was more, I don't know what I was feeling. I guess I was a little jacked up still. I just wanted to take off through the timber yeah, and just start looking. But with my buddy being there, we just slowly found the blood, found the blood. It got better and better. And I bet we walked 20 yards and I didn't hear him say it, but he's like, there he is. And I'm, you know, still on the ground looking for blood. And I look up and I'm like, oh, there he is. He goes, yeah, I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot going through my mind. Uh, trying to pay attention was not one of them, I guess. Right. Well, that's ha- that happens, dude. Um, and it's nice to have a buddy kind of be hanging out with you, especially on a recovery. Because recovery, sometimes you or someone else will get ahead of themselves and then you miss a blood and then that's how you could lose deer. But you saw him and as you're walking up to him, like at what point did you realize you just shot a stud? I stopped about 10 feet away from him and just, I stood there in silence. I, and I thought, Oh my God, this thing is huge. Yeah. I I had no idea what I shot. Yeah. And then I, this is my favorite question to ask the moment where you grab his, his antlers and lift his head up to see what you shot. Um, what then what was going through your head? It was just an unbelievable feeling. I've never, you know, like I said, shot a deer that big yeah. until, until that morning and just overwhelmed with so many emotions, you know, just very thankful and blessed. Yeah, absolutely. So did you, did you happen to guess how old he was? I mean, did you know that how old he was going into the hunt? Cause you got some trail cam pics of him. I didn't really know how old he was. Um, I, I guess I'm not very good at judging that, but I knew he, he looked like he'd been around for quite a while. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you the picks, you know, and I don't have a complete broadside shot of the buck, but his head, his head looks old and huge. So that tells me he's, you know, some, he's a mature buck, but, uh, you know, for, for all the listeners here, uh, did you happen to put a tape on him? I mean, he's a 10 pointer, but what, (laughs) I mean, he's a big 10 pointer. What did, uh, did you score him out? We did, um, a guy in town came over and scored him. Uh, what we came up with was 175 and one eighth. Oh man. That is a beautiful deer, regardless of the size. I mean, uh, the antler, the story's awesome, right? The the antlers are awesome. The body's awesome. The experience is awesome. And I tell you what, that I love the one brow tine being like three inches longer than the other one. That's a giant exactly. brow tine. That is crazy, dude. Um, so, what you know? Do you if you had any advice to share? with another hunter on how to be successful. What, what, what does that advice look like? Um, (laughs) a lot more times than not just being in the stand. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously checking wind direction is crucial, uh, pressures and whatnot, but just finding time to get out there. Yeah, absolutely, man. That is crazy. And you're right. The more time that you can spend in a tree stand, the more opportunity you're going to have at shooting a deer, uh, period. And in the rut, as we all know, anything could happen. Um, 
So yeah, dude, that's uh, that's that's so cool. Congrats on a on a stud deer. Do you have any other plans to hunt the rest of the year? Um, like I said, I've got another doe tag for archery. I want to try and fill, and then I've got plans to go to Southern Iowa for late muzzleloader. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool, dude. Well, good luck on the rest of your season, and congrats on a on a slammer, dude. Thank you, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And there you have it, everybody. Thanks for tuning back in. The rut was crazy, so I didn't put out a ton of content. Now I'm back on the wagon, and I am looking to flood your ears with stories from all over the country, north, south, east, west, success stories, things that worked for people, things that didn't work for people. Uh, And I think if you listen to these stories, you're going to be able to uh, learn something as well right? At least not specifically, but the principles that others use. And if it's something that might interest you, you can try it on your farms as well. I know that uh, gun season here is here for a lot of states. And um, there is the, uh, you know, the, the, the Orange Army march, so to speak. But there's also time to still get it done because the rut is still happening. And uh, there is definitely still time to catch a mature buck or a target animal on their feet or if you're looking to just fill the freezer there's plenty of time for that as well so get outside enjoy it maybe uh, now start thinking about uh, taking a family member out or thinking about taking someone who's very new to hunting out and get them introduced as well uh, so that this uh, this tradition can continue but real quick Huge shout out to you for listening. If you like this podcast, the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Nation, please share it. Uh, if, if you haven't subscribed to it, please go to iTunes or download this. Subscribe wherever you download this, uh, this these podcasts, man. I would really appreciate it. And other than that, huge shout out to all the p- partners of this podcast. Vortex, Prime, Lone Wolf, Ripcord, Wasp, Ozonics. Prime, Vortex, okay, I'm repeating myself. There you go. Other than that, thank you very much. If you're going to be out in the timber, use your head and wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of the week.